the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's the first week back of, for, of school for Emmanuel, and I know for most of our public schools as well. And by judging the sleepy eyes that dragged themselves into the doorway and to their class on Thursday and Friday, I bet the parents can relate to what we're experiencing at our house, the adjustments of waking up earlier for school. Our children got used to sleeping in or at least being able to lie around and watch cartoons for a little while in the morning before things got going. Now they have to get into class, and I bet our teachers are probably dealing with that as well. I've never really had a problem with personally wanting to sleep in. On rare occasions, I will desire to turn off the alarm and roll over and go back to sleep. But I do get it. I know that I'm weird and that all of you are normal. And I get it especially in winter. Many of us are starting our days well before sunrise. And it's cold. And it's dark. You want to hit snooze a couple more times. Just a little more time in this warmth without having to really do all that much. Well, on this epiphany, God does not want you to hit snooze. This is the weekend that we celebrate that the good news of Jesus Christ has come to us. At one time in history, God's promise was to a a particular people, a particular group called the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, the Hebrews, on Epiphany. We see the nations come to Jesus and join in that promise. A promise of salvation that had its roots in a particular people, but was always intended and certainly was always pointing to a much wider promise for all who were awoken by the dawning of a new era in human history. The era of God's favor and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Isaiah begins his 60th chapter with an alarm clock. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God's people found their completeness in Jesus The night that he was born, the sky lit up like a torch in the night. Angels revealed themselves to men, to shepherds, and heralded the good news, singing at the top of their lungs. As time went by, the son Jesus was brought to the temple, and Simeon and Anna sang praises when they saw this child that they knew was the one promised to come, the one that came for their salvation. And all of this was first proclaimed to God's people of old, the old meeting the new, God's people meeting their Messiah. Jesus was for them what they could not be for themselves. And a physical light appeared 
apparently did shine above Jesus in Bethlehem for a period of time. Nations did, in fact, follow a star and come to his light, as Isaiah reported they would. We hear in our gospel lesson how the Magi went to the brightness of his rising. And Isaiah continues his prophecy, giving a, that, a sign that would come to pass. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Now let's stop for a moment and appreciate the amazing reality of this prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah, over six centuries before the birth of Jesus, foretold that this would happen. When I was preparing for the sermon, I had to marvel at this fact. When I run into these big time spans that come up in our readings, I have to create some type of comparison to help me comprehend This year, the United States will only be 246 years old. Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled with specificity, gold and frankincense, and good news, over two times that length of time. We are closer to the life and work of Martin Luther than the prophecy that Isaiah gave to when Jesus actually fulfilled it, when those magi actually came. You see, the point I'm trying to draw out is that this is no coincidence. God was revealing his fulfillment and deliverance to the magi. One of the pastors I served with over the years had a bumper sticker on his car that said, wise men still follow Jesus probably have heard that phrase maybe yourself, this statement remains true. The fact that Jesus is the promised Messiah is not a wish that we have somehow in our heart and we just, oh golly, I would love for this to be true. But wise men recognize that this is a reality secured in the promises of God that have been revealed in history. The wonderful thing is that this truth isn't even the best part of what God has to share for us today. Because even though our Old Testament, New Testament texts, we hear God's prophecy of grace, and then we read about its fulfillment reported in the gospel, there is even more that God has for us. Those gifts promised and delivered by the Magi point some 30 years further. They are gifts that I suppose uh, dignitaries would bring to any other dignitary that was born, but to a baby in an obscure town, born to a, a young mom of no great note, it's kind of odd that they would bring all this stuff, gold and frankincense and myrrh. In Jesus's case, these gifts lead to a better promise and deliverance. Gold and frankincense are mentioned by Isaiah, a clear one-for-one comparison. But then we also have myrrh. 
And I'd like to connect it tonight to the prophecy of the good news being brought to us. This gift of myrrh is an interesting one. It certainly has many uses throughout the ancient times, and I think there's kind of a a repeat coming back with fragrances being a big thing these days. Well, it has many uses, we hear about it once again with Jesus around the end of John's Gospel. Nicodemus would bury Jesus with over 75 pounds of myrrh and spices because the bright radiance that beams on us in this epiphany is ultimately not a star that appears above Bethlehem. It is that, but it goes much further, leading us to this baby and what this baby has come to do. The revelation of what this little king came to fulfill. That gift of myrrh was no accident. It was pointing us forward to what ultimately he came to do. He came to break through your darkness. That deep darkness of your sin. It ought to leave you feeling cold and wanting to hit snooze one more time. Our sin ought to make us want to just bundle up and hide and not show our face to another. Were we to wear our sins on our sleeve, we wouldn't go out in public. Were we to be honest about our sinful nature before God, we would be ashamed for how we treat him. We certainly couldn't stand before him. More than that, we would be in despair because there is no way that we can solve this problem. Sin is dark and cold. God detests sin and he destroys it. So what does that make us? Where does that leave you? Our sin is a void of darkness that we cannot see through. And the little king that was visited long ago pierces your darkness with the light of his grace by being pierced himself in his hands and feet and side. He laid down his life for you and for me and for this whole world so that the darkness that we all experience, the darkness that we all know all too well, that darkness that wants us to hit snooze and not bear the cold, this little baby grew to be a man who would be your redeemer, your light, because he loves you. He came for you. He came for every lost in the dark sinner, every person who is cold in their sin on this earth, 
everyone facing that deep, dark void of sin and guilt and shame, this is what Epiphany is all about. A Savior has come. His light has dawned upon us. And this light shines in our lives tonight. Not as Christians who are perfect in and of ourselves, but as Christians who have been redeemed by a good and loving God who wouldn't leave us in our sin. At Emmanuel, we want to share this good news with our neighbors. Really, there's nothing greater that we can share with one another than this truth. This weekend, we will install new officers who will sacrifice their time towards this effort. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to pray for them. To aid them in whatever way you can. Keep them in your prayers. Offer to watch their kids as they go to meetings. Maybe you bring over a meal on a night where you know it's going to be a long day, and they might not be able to throw something in the crock pot and... They're going to have to find sandwiches or something like that. This year, especially at Emmanuel, I want us to recognize that we are all in this together. And that's a beautiful thing. Because as we come together, basking in the light of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will work among us to share this good news with more and more Let us embrace one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a banner up in front of the sanctuary this evening. Tomorrow morning, a young child named Harmony will be baptized. She's been a part of our Emmanuel family since she started in our learning center some years ago. Tomorrow, she excitedly wants to step up on that little step and bow her head over that basin And be called a child of God. This is because of your faithfulness. And supporting all of our ministries through your various ways. This is who we are as a family. I want you to keep Harmony and her family in your prayers. That they might continue to grow in God's grace and love. And may join with you in shining this light of Jesus. Today God wants us to see the light of his love in Jesus And he calls us to reflect that light, that hope, until he returns. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, and work among us, and shine the light of Jesus for all to see. Amen.